everyday theology where we don't tell you what to believe or how to think, but discuss why people believe what they do and why it matters. On this journey, we will speak with artists, curators, influencers, and pastors. I'm Aaron Ross. And I'm Ben Gomez. Today we have with us AJ Swoboda. Super uh, excited to have him here. Uh, he's been with us at Southeastern a couple times, and uh, we got to grab him while he's teaching a grad class and kind of threw him into a room and said, hey, come answer some questions. Um, so AJ, uh, thanks for being here with us. We're glad that you could you could join us. Um, if you don't mind, kind of give us a little bit of who you are, what you do, and uh, let our listeners know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, and thanks for the coffee, and thanks for growing a beard and being cool people. Uh, um, we need Ben to grow a beard soon. Yeah, yeah, he'll get, no, there. No, he'll get there. He can do. You can tell he can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I grew a beard on our sabbatical last summer, and somebody told me nobody ever grows a beard in really good times in their life. So I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the grief on my face here. If that's the case, then I haven't had a good time in my life for twelve years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I live in uh, Eugene, Oregon. Uh, moved uh, to Eugene uh, just a few months ago. We lived in Portland for ten years. Pastored a church that we had um, founded about ten years ago called Theophilus and in December transitioned out of that, handed leadership over to uh, the team is there. And now I teach full-time uh, Bible and theology at Northwest Christian University. And I, so I get to help mess up the young minds of, of our future generation. Mm, so, so much fun. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Great influence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you recently wrote a book, I mean, not too long ago, but you re- uh, wrote a book on rest mm-hmm. yep. and about the Sabbath called Subversive Sabbath, yep. which we love. I, I have some students who read that. And what, what I'd be really interested here to have us have a conversation on is what is this idea of rest and work within our society? Mm. I mean, I know we, we've probably all felt it, this kind of thing that we often give the nomenclature of, of burnout or just kind of being tired. And I think there's something beautiful about this idea of Sabbath that you've kind of Mm. helping reimagine for us in our today's culture. So if you maybe just want to like start off by giving us some idea, like what is this why rest? Why do we need to care about a Sabbath? Yeah. And why does it even matter in a world that feels like it's falling apart? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, there's a, there's a a lot of ways to answer that, but the, the, I think the awareness for me, the importance of this idea of rest Sabbath, uh, comes from an experience that I had a few years ago, uh, after we had planted the church, uh, I started noticing our church was pretty tired. Church planning is really hard. Uh, there's no way to be an emotionally healthy church planner. It's just really messy and hard and difficult. And I noticed about five years into the church plant that our entire church was exhausted. And so I did what pastors do to fix a problem. I did a sermon series um, on rest and Sabbath. So I preached for three weeks on the Sabbath. And uh, I've, you know, I preached on, um, and part of the story I've told this a number of times, but I, I mean, I preached on Sabbath. I've preached on things that have made people mad uh, over the years, you know, on sexuality, on politics, on weed. I live in Portland. Somebody's got to talk about this stuff. And so I preached on things that have made people really mad. And I preached on the Sabbath for three weeks. And I don't think we've um, ever had more people leave the church. It was a really interesting experience watching people uh, be offended by this idea of rest. And I was in a meeting a couple weeks after that with some of the elders from our church. And we were reading through the Ten Commandments. And I had an epiphany. Um, that as a pastor, if I was to uh, break nine of the commandments, if I committed adultery, I'd probably lose my job. If I stole money from the church, I'd probably lose my job. Um, 
if I murdered somebody, I'd, I'd definitely lose my job. At least I hope so. Yeah, that yeah. would be the, the a good polity move. Um, and had an epiphany that uh, if I don't take a day of rest, uh, the Fourth Commandment, uh, I'll probably get a raise. And as a pastor, that really disturbed me because I realized for the very first time uh, that we have taken something that God asked us to do and we um, we, we we don't believe it. And we, we don't really believe in the Ten Commandments. We believe in Nine Commandments and one subtly strong suggestion. Um, and I think we're dying for it. I yeah. think we have a generation of teenagers that are killing themselves because they don't have a break. Uh, I think we have academics and students that are burning out like crazy. We have a whole generation of pastors. We have, I think our world is dying. And I think it's largely dying because we don't have, uh, in the words of Andrew Sullivan, we have no tiny cracks of inactivity anymore. Everything is filled up. We don't even go to the bathroom anymore. We text while we're in the bathroom. I mean, it's it's at the point where we just don't have a, any space. But it's where I spend my best texts. Yeah, don't don't get me wrong. Uh, some of the best tweets come on the throne. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not lying to you. My but, head is the clearest in that moment. Yeah. No. You know something you just said, AJ, um, and something you wrote in your book. Um, you say that broken systems uh, break people. Um, can you kind of unpackage that a little bit? Um, mm. You know, and I think you were alluding to it mm. Um, mm. before the throne comment, uh, which was great. <laughs> um, but you were alluding to it as to that we don't rest, right? When you look at our, you know, Gen Z and the multiple yeah. screens, and you look at everything that they have to go through. When you look at you know, even millennials that the way I progress is by working harder, longer than Gen Xers and, you know, yeah, the right. last of the baby boomers. Right. Uh, so how do we, I guess, mm. what do you mean by broken systems? And then mm. what can we do to fix those systems so that we can have rest? Yeah, man, what a, what a phenomenal question. Um, I would, uh, I, as I've studied and preached and learned about the Sabbath, it has become extraordinarily clear to me that there is a direct relationship between Sabbath and power. Um, when we, uh, when we look at, uh, the, the Bible, uh, we see that Israel was not allowed to rest when they were in Egypt because Pharaoh, um, ran his business really poorly. And the, the interesting thing about that text in Exodus five, that we have the slave owner, Pharaoh telling the slaves that they're lazy. I mean, my, my counselor um, tells me there's this thing called projection where we always project onto people our own baloney. Um, and that's what Pharaoh's doing. He's projecting onto the people who are working too hard, his own enslaving attitudes towards himself. Um, there is a direct relationship between power and Sabbath. And that is that I do not have just an obligation to rest myself. I have an obligation to bring Sabbath to other people. And this is not one of my greatest critiques about the Sabbath that I have. If I could talk to God today is what about the poor? Uh, how do the poor get to Sabbath? Because they're, listen, the single mother of eight who doesn't have any time to rest, how does this matter to her? Because the minute Sabbath is about privilege, I'm out. I, I don't, I just, I think that's a ridiculous idea. Sabbath has to be for everybody. And so I, I think at the end of the day, Sabbath is really, really hard news for people who have power and authority because it means that I have an obligation to help other people rest yeah. as well. Yeah. So systems, um, as, it, as it relates to systems, I mean, sinfulness uh, is not just personal. We don't individually just sin, but there are systems of brokenness. And I think Sabbath applies to both, that God calls me as an individual and as a person in power to help others enter in. Yeah, I, I, it's it's 
really fascinating to think about this through power dynamics and to recognize that it's easier for, I mean, it's even easier for me to say in this moment, like, I have less of an excuse to take a Sabbath because financially I'm, I'm secure. Like I can, I can take a day off, um, amidst writing a PhD. I think sometimes, you know, I feel guilty for taking a day off maybe from thinking about it or writing or doing some reading or whatever it is, but I can. But then when you start thinking about even just kind of outside of our Western culture, this reality that there are a lot of peoples and other countries and less, uh, wealthy for sure that one day of not working equals not feeding their family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet, yet we can't do it. And we don't even think about helping others get to that place that they can as well, or take care of those amidst that. And I, and I wonder if maybe there's something within our Western culture that says that's just laziness. Mm, mm, like, mm. you know, we almost use that kind of biblical pretext of like those who don't work, don't eat. And we go, well, you should keep working harder because you can't afford to feed your family. So work harder. Mm. And how that doesn't necessarily always work out well. Yes. How do we think about that? Like, what do we do with that? If we're people who say, like you're saying, we should be, we should be creating ways to help others Sabbath, what what are some things maybe that we can think about in doing to create that reality? Well, I mean, when, when I preached on the Sabbath uh, for three weeks, what, what was interesting to me, you, you could ask the question, well, who got mad about preaching on the Sabbath? I mean, honestly, is this something to get upset about? Um, and there were two groups of people. It was interesting. It was only two different kinds of people yeah. that were, at, were mad about it, moms and business owners. Huh. So moms, clearly, I mean, it makes total sense because moms are saying, well, how can I rest? And that's largely a power problem because that basically, if, if women, if moms get to rest, it means the dudes need to step up and help out. And I think right. a lot of women or moms are like, how can you do this? If the dude's just in the, in the, in the man den in the back, well, honestly, do I, is this just another day for me to just work? And the truth of the matter is, is the Sabbath was given to men and women together. And so we, yeah. it needs to be shared. There's a power thing there. But secondly is business owners and largely it's offensive because, um, this affects the bottom line. Yeah. This this is not an ethereal. This is this is not an abstract um, concept with a bunch of footnotes. This is. I, I, listen, I live in I've lived in Portland for ten years, and I am obliged to have political feelings about Hobby Lobby and Chick Fil A. But I'm going to give them all the credit in the world because you have two businesses now that are willing to lose billions of dollars every year to shut down one day a week so people can go home and be with their families. Yeah. And they would be the first people to say that paying up, there's a price to pay was slowing down so that the poor can have a break. Yeah. I oh. think that the call to Sabbath requires people like myself to slow down because I have the capacity to go way too fast. And if I can go really fast, that causes other less privileged people to have to go really, really fast to keep up. I think yeah. that's unfair. I think it's unfair. I love that France, by the way, just made it illegal. If you're a business owner, you cannot uh, email any of your employees after five o'clock on, wow. on the workdays. And the that'd reason be, that'd be nice. Can I you think. imagine? Can you <laughs> yeah. imagine that? Um, that is that right there. Tip for, good on France. They're taking this side that that this that when I am in power and I don't rest, I will not give it to anybody else. I had a story. This oh, this this should illustrate it. Sorry, you're, I'm giving you long answers here. No, no, you're, love you're, it. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. Um, I was counseling a youth pastor in New York City uh, who is just, he's, he's dying before my very eyes. He's, he's 30 years old. He's grossly overweight. He works 80 hours a week. He's dying. I mean, I'm watching this guy die and he just read my book and he's, 
he called to say, how can I start stay, taking a Sabbath? So I said, well, you got to talk to your boss because that's your, your youth pastor. You, you're good. There's power dynamics there. And he's, he started a conversation with his boss and he said to his boss, who's the senior pastor, I want to find a day a week that I can stop and not have to do anything. And this is what the senior pastor told him. He said, when I was a, when I was a youth pastor, I didn't need a day off. Why should you? Oh gosh. Yeah. And what we see right there. So he's trapped. He's yeah. going to lose his job or whatever. I mean, what we see right there is that when people who have the ability to call the shots don't take a break, they don't give it to anybody else. Yeah. Oh, man. That's that's heavy. I mean, it's I heavy. Know, it's super heavy. This is life and death stuff. It really, and, and I, I think for a lot of people who are going to be listening to this, you know, I'm sure so many of them are in this space of relating to this, going like, I, I don't know what to do here. You yep, know, I don't know what to do because I feel like I'm dying. I mean, not not me, right? And it's just in this analogy, right? But so many people are gonna be like, I feel like I'm dying and I don't know how to get out of it. Yep. Don't, don't, I want, I want to be very clear. This is not an invitation to laziness. Uh, <laughs> the, the fourth commandment uh, is to work six days a week and take one day of rest a week. Ironically, the invitation to rest is simultaneously an in, as an invitation to work. We need to work hard and nobody is inviting yeah. us to not work hard, but we are not to work seven days a week hard. What we, the, the Bible, by the way, has a word for work with no rest. It's called slavery. And it also has a word for rest with no work, which is called laziness. Yeah. So it's a balance. And this is not an invitation to millennials to take one day a week to go binge watch Game of Thrones. We need to do the Sabbath and also obey all the other stuff in the Bible, like filling our minds with really good things. Yeah. So um, I just want to be very clear. This is not an invitation to laziness, but I'm going to guess that a lot of people feel really stuck because when you have people who are your bosses, your professors, whatnot, who themselves don't rest, they're not going to give it to you if, if they're not. Or yeah. not. You know, uh, as you're, you're sharing those thoughts, um, again, it just takes me back to your book. Um, you call the Sabbath a gift. Mm. And that many of us don't know how mm. to steward that mm. gift and mm. know what to do with that mm. gift. Mm. And so what would you tell our listeners? Say, man, mm. the Sabbath is a gift. And, you know, this is, these are practical ways that you can receive the Sabbath yes. and receive rest in a healthy way. Yes. What are some of those practical um, tips or steps that you would, you would share? What an awesome question, Sam. Once again, you're the question machine. I do, I do need to point out, because our listeners are going to know, You've called him Sam twice, but his name's Ben. Did I say Sam? <laughs> you did. It's no okay. way. You guys have been friends for I a said long time. Sam? So it's really funny. Ben. Just yeah. It's okay. Ben. It's okay. Uh, how did I say he's, Sam? He's in a different mind. It's my brother's name, so close, I guess. Sam. Because um, how sometimes I get confused with Sam Rodriguez. Oh yeah. Ben, would you please forgive me? This is a moment okay. of deep humility on my behalf. Would you please cut out the Sam comments and put in Ben? Just just a really bad how overdub. Did I do ben. That? ben. Forgive it's me. It's okay. So yeah. So, how do we receive the gift? Yeah. Well, the truth of the matter is um, that uh, a gift is really hard to receive if you don't think you need it. And that's one of the problems of living in a progressive culture like our own is you can't talk about things like sin and forgiveness anymore because nobody thinks they've sinned or done anything wrong. We've done everything to externalize everything. Everybody else is at, at, at fault. And so when we talk about the gospel, well, it, it assumes the good news of Jesus. It assumes that something's wrong and you need something. It's like when you say, hey, do you want a piece of gum? People always assume it's because they've got bad breath and so they don't want the gum. Um, the truth of the matter is a good gift assumes that we're not complete. And the Sabbath assumes that we are not complete. And it is offensive to our narcissism because it says that we have not fully uh, received what God has given to us. I, I would, man, I think that the gospel, the first image of the gospel in the Bible is the gospel, is the Sabbath in Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, when Adam and Eve were made on day six, 
day seven was the day of rest. And their very first day of existence was the day of rest. Um, that is profound. They had done nothing to earn the gift. The gift had nothing to do with earning anything. They just got to sit around for their first day and enjoy mangoes and walk around the garden with God. Um, so we have to accept the fact that we need a gift. We're desperate for it. We're dying without it. Um, and that doesn't come easy. The, the Sabbath is offensive to our narcissism that says that we can fulfill ourselves. But so what does that, what does the gift maybe look like in, in terms of, you, mm. you mentioned this thing about millennials, like it's not an excuse whether to like go, go binge watch Game of Thrones. But I think even for me, and I don't think it's just millennials, because I think about even my parents' generation, I see them quote unquote resting and they're on Facebook more than I am, yes. you know, like they're sitting down on their phone or doing something. What maybe are some things that Sabbath should look like? Like, is it me taking a day off from working per se, but I'm just sitting on my phone all day and in my PJs, you know, I don't know, just looking yes. at memes all day. Yes. Well, I can't, I can't speak to your meme addiction, but I can speak to the, the Bible here. And the, and the great news about the Bible is that it actually doesn't tell us what we're supposed to do on the Sabbath. It tells us what we're not supposed to do, yeah. which is to work. Um, and only our hearts really know what work is. I mean, there are times that I'm working in the garden and I'm working the garden. And I can tell that there's, di there's a difference between leisure gardening and like work gardening. And I can tell only my heart knows the difference. The Bible is, I think, explicitly clear. And, and that is that we need a day a week where we are not working. But there is no admonition around what we are supposed to do. Um, and so I think, I mean, I just think part of the gift is that we get to, we get to figure out what that day looks like. And we get to discern with the people that we love and our family and our friends and ourselves, like what is life-giving? I think that's the principle. What is life-giving? Uh, when Jesus says, if an ox falls into the ground on the Sabbath, you know, is it better to give life or take life? I think the issue is life for Jesus. Does it give life or does it take life? Yeah. And uh, what is, I can tell you this, what is very life-giving for me is very life-giving for my, is not life-giving for my wife. And what is life-giving for my wife is not life-giving for me. And what is life-giving for my son is not life-giving to either of us. So you have to learn to live in this tension of everybody gets the life-giving thing as best as possible. But there are things that suck life out of us and things that give us life. And I think that's the, I think that's the thing that we need to address. Yeah. No. And I'm not saying that if you're addicted to heroin and it gives you life, that that's what your Sabbath <laughs> activity is. And the memes, uh, which are not the same category as heroin, but I, I would say, you know, you get to discern before God, like, is this a life-giving thing? Yeah. Yeah. Now you, uh, you alluded to your son. Yes. Um, what does the Sabbath, obviously knowing a little bit about you personally, I know pancakes are a big deal in your house <laughs> on Saturday morning. So mm. um, you had mentioned um, in the past that your intentions with your son is to um, teach him how sweet the Sabbath mm. is. Mm. And the sweetness mm. comes from him knowing yeah. that it's yep. pancakes yeah. and the syrup. Can you just... Yeah. Um, you know, share that with some of us who are, you know, young dads. Yes, absolutely. Um, how do we now teach our children <laughs> about the Sabbath? Well, th this is a hard, thank you. For, what a great, great setup. Cause I mean, the, the pancakes are a big deal. Those, that's a big deal for me and our, and our family. And I'll tell the pancake story, but, uh, the, the, the kind of context for that is I, I'm coming out of season for the last 10 years of being a workaholic and stepping away from pastoral ministry. Part of that is the, the deep inner work around my uh, over overworking and my son has paid a disproportionate price for my workaholism 
Um, there is a generation of PKs in this world that hate the church because they see the church as having stolen their parents from them. And I think that when we think about the Sabbath, it needs to apply to our children, our kids, the young ones among us, the least of these. And it definitely affects my son. Um, I, I say that I don't believe in child sacrifice. Um, but when you look at my calendar, it's a very different story. Mm, wow. So for us, it's pancakes. That's the big deal. Uh, every Sabbath morning, my son and I and my wife get up and we make the biggest pancakes ever. And he just pours maple syrup on these things. And the reason we do the maple syrup and the pancakes actually is rooted in an old ancient uh, Jewish tradition, which is that on the morning of the Sabbath, uh, the father was to get up before all the kids and get each kid a spoon of honey so that the children would never forget the sweetness of God's rest. And we do that because I want my son when, when I'm, you know, 50 years when I'm dead and gone, if anybody even whispers the word Sabbath around my son, he'll just start to drool that he would never forget the sweetness of God's rest. And the reason we need those kinds of silly things like pancakes is because we have forgotten the commandment that God invited us to do, which was to remember the Sabbath day. It is the only commandment of the 10 that begins with the word remember. We are so quick to forget the sweetness of God's rest. And we are all hungry. We're dying for it. Our souls are dying because we don't have it. It, I, I see a lot of connection maybe with this idea of Sabbath, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Harvey Cox put his book on um, uh, the market god, mm. but this mm. like reality that in some sense we've gotten so much, especially in our Western American culture, to where we actually. Uh, we've gotten so close to like what we biblical term would be like the spirit of mammon, right? Like kind of this love of mm -hmm. power and money and like all of this that we've begun to worship busyness yes. and work and worship like return on investments yes. over worshiping God. Yes. And, um, what does it look like in terms of like, how do you see this happen in people's lives and they don't even know it? Like, I mean, if we talk about that thing about this being everyday theology, how do you see this just like, because most people have probably have never sat down and go, do I love, do I love work over rest? I think most people would mm. say they want rest, but right. they don't actually mm. live That's that out. Right. Well, it's interesting that we never say that, um, we never say people work like the Messiah. Mm. Um, yeah. it, you know, we always see people work like the devil. And I think probably because when you looked at the life of Jesus, I don't think he was a workaholic. I think that it's shocking how many times Jesus gets away from his disciples, goes and sleeps somewhere, goes up in a wilderness and retreats. I mean, Jesus, I don't think, I would not want to employ Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that he was really good at rest and he probably um, was not as productive as, as, as we would want someone to be. Um and so the model of Jesus is uh, a fulfillment uh, in the Father and not an accomplishment. That is why the Sabbath is so offensive for Western people, because it steps on every idol we worship as Americans. Achievement, wow. productivity, affluence, wealth, all these things that we have created as our gods. Uh, the Sabbath offends all of those, all those sensibilities, and does not allow them to have the place in our life uh, that we we have we have placed placed them, and American culture is different than any every culture. You know, my friend Mark Cartledge, who is my PhD advisor, says that when he comes to America, and he has to fill out those visa forms, uh, that they ask, you know, they ask, why are you coming to America? Why are you traveling here? And they say, we are the only country that gives people only two options: it is either work or play. There are no other huh. options for travel, work yeah. or play. And in our culture, that those are the two modes of existence: is we work or we play. That is it. 
And what this Sabbath says is those are not the two categories that the Bible, we, we, Sabbath is a totally different category. Yeah. Um, incidentally, I should point out that in the ancient world, the Jews only named one day a week. We have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They only had one day that they named and it was the Sabbath. Huh. Every other day was yeah. an other day. It didn't even have a name. It was just another day. Yeah. So there's Sabbath time and there's other days. <laughs> um, so everything for a Jew was about the Sabbath, not work. Yeah. No, it was about, it was about Sabbath. Oh, that, and that's so good too, to actually think about this like focus of, I mean, we, it's funny, we'll say that slogan, right? Working for the weekend, mm. but what does working for the weekend really imply, mm. right? Mm. I'm working so that way I can just go play or go do go all this. Go party, get drunk all weekend and watch sports. That's not Sabbath life. Right. That's not an invitation to come into God's presence. That's an invitation to self-centered narcissism. And I, at the end of the day, Americans, we, we have replaced, yeah, man, we've replaced God with sports. We've replaced God with, you name it, we, we have... We are, we are a nation of idols. Um, so I, I think I have two questions out, and I want to ask them both so I don't forget. But the first one is, what would you say to someone who would say, like, well, the sports are my Sabbath. But then the second one is, uh, when, ha- when does church, like, when does, like, the institutionalized, like, going to church on Sunday and this, when does that become Sabbath or not Sabbath? Mm. Like, have we gotten to a point where even church is no longer Sabbath? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so, yeah, both those things. There is absolutely nothing wrong with sports. I'm not, this is not a critique of sports in general. It is a critique of replacing God with sports. Yeah. And only our hearts know when, when we've crossed that line that we have turned uh, uh, God into the God of our stomachs, just the stuff we like. And, yeah. and only our hearts really know when that's the case. And we need the Holy Spirit by the grace of God to reveal that stuff to us. Uh, in terms of church, um, you know, as a, I, as a pastor for 10 years, uh, the Sabbath is a hard thing because if we're going to say that Sabbath has to be Sundays, like I'm toast. There's never been a day in human history where a pastor's left church on Sunday and said, oh, that was a refreshing experience. It's hard work all the time. So for a pastor, Sabbath cannot be a Sunday. It has to be a different day. We need a different a different day. And for a lot of people, church cannot be a Sabbath because they serve and they work. But for some people, and they're weird, they love serving <laughs> and it's restful. And for those people, and it is restful, praise the Lord. May they, yeah. may they do it. But the truth is only our hearts know what is life-giving and what is not. I can tell you personally that I need a day that is not at church in order to rest appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely feel that. And I, I think that's something this is burnout word, right? Like I think there's been some kind of conversations as of late that I've seen that people are like, oh, burnout's not really a thing. I mean, the effects of burnout, but what we talk about when we talk about burnout is often um, kind of misguided. But but burnout, like it, if we use that just because that's like the popular kind of idea behind it, when you think about burnout, like how does Sabbath save us mm. in terms of even burnout, mm. uh, especially for the person who's like, if I don't shoot off that email, if I don't do this, if I don't do this, uh, everything's going to fall apart. Well, before you answer that, um, going back to the broken system, mm. um, you mentioned the law in France. Could it be possibly that we are not good stewards of our time? In other words, um, nine to five, because I don't steward nine to five so much or Mm. as well as I could. I need the five to 11 to send out the emails that I need to be doing because maybe I was doing something else. So uh, when you go with the Sabbath and the rest, I'm thinking that we're just not stewards of the time that we have, that now we need to add additional time that we should be using for rest to yeah. do and fulfill the things that we need to fulfill. Yeah. The dre- b- b- yeah, both of those questions are awesome and we could take hours to talk about both of them. Uh, the, the, what is the engine behind burnout? What is the engine behind doing too much? What is the engine behind, 
um, this, this, this entire, the, the burnout culture that what, what is the engine behind that? Why, why are we so driven? Well, I mean, listen, when you look at the culture that we live in and the affluence that we, we force people to live in our, our, um, expectations for living, right. Our expectations are, are the way that we live demands that we overwork. When you live in the ancient world where you don't have a whole lot of stuff, you don't have an engine behind burnout. I mean, you, you have an engine of simplicity, um, but we have an engine for burnout now because we want too much stuff. We need too much stuff. We need, and we are living, we are shoving into our work week um, months of work and it, it can't sustain itself. The truth of the matter is that we will get our Sabbath. <laughs> uh, the, you you can never take a rest. You will have a Sabbath. It's called a heart attack. Mm. It's called a wow. burnout. It's called yeah. an adultery. Yeah. Like you, you you will get your Sabbath. You you may not you may not take a day a week rest. Now you 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 will have your breakdown. Uh, you will die and go to heaven. And by the way, heaven in Hebrews is described as Sabbath. So if you don't like it now, I've got horrible news. You're oh going to be doing yeah. it for like ever. <laughs> so I think Heschel's right. I think that we need to practice Sabbath. We are practicing heaven now. Yeah. Sabbath is practicing the presence of God today. Um, if we don't do it, uh, we will get it. Oh, we, oh, we will get the Sabbath. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> oh, that, I need, I need to learn that now, you know? Yeah, you do. Uh, I know. Whew. See, this I'm is, cha- this is challenging for me, you know? Mm. I, and I love your book. Like I've read it and, and, you know, we teach from it. Um, and, and it's, it's just so hard. It's so hard for us to kind of to get there. But I think one of the things you said that I loved is this idea that we we have such a love of stuff, or to kind of paraphrase it, that we have such a love of other things that we tend to work more so we can get more things. And then once we get more things, mm. we have to work harder to keep those things yeah, or to maintain more those things. To place those things and more, yeah, it just never ends. And so I, I wonder if maybe in some sense there's a connection between... Um, just living simply and having a Sabbath. Yes, yes, 100%. And in some yep. ways, like yes. the more we learn to live simply, the yes. more we can learn to rest. Yep. Sabbath is simplicity of life. It is simplicity of time. It is simplicity of heart. It is simplicity of mind. It is the great simplifier. It brings us back down to earth. Yeah. Well, we don't have too much more time. Um, AJ, we, we appreciate you being here with us so, so much. Um, I know we have, we've talked about the book now a couple of times. You've got the book Subversive Sabbath, which is out, and I think you can find it pretty much anywhere books are really sold. Uh, but if you let our listeners know, like, what do you have coming up? Where can they connect with you? If they love this idea beyond mm. the book, how can they connect with you, whether it's social media or whatever? And what do you have coming up? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Twitter is a good way to connect with me. Um, I disabled my website recently because uh, I was... Um, I'm simple, simplifying my life as we speak, but uh, Twitter's a great way. Mr. AJ Swoboda, um, at Mr. AJ Swoboda. And I'm currently, yeah, I'm writing a, writing a book right now that I really feel uh, is has been in my bones for years. And it's a book about uh, faith deconstruction and why we're seeing a whole generation of young people who are deconstructing their faith and then leaving the church and finding their new form of spirituality around podcasts. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, why that is and um, and why that can be powerful, but also extraordinarily de- uh, destructive to our lives. Yeah. So I'm writing a book about spiritual formation and faith destruct- de- deconstruction. And I really feel like this is a an area that we just got to, we got to think through. Yeah. And we're, we're going to have you come back for that. If yeah, you will, if you'll come back with us. And I love to us. use that yeah. book in my class. It mm. starts in the spring. So yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I'll try to get it out in the next couple of weeks. If thanks. you can. Yeah, make thanks. sure that you rest though during it. You yeah. know, don't, oh, don't push no, no, too hard. You'll rest after you're done writing oh, the book. Thank you. 
Yeah, I'm glad you're not my boss, Ben. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, AJ. Yeah, and uh, again, me. we appreciate having you here and hope to have you back. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks.